This podcast is sponsored by the Modern Art Museum of Fort Worth and their current exhibitions, Robin O'Neill, We the Masses, on view through February 9th, 2020, and Focus, Martin Gutierrez, on view through January 12th, 2020. For more information about either of the shows, visit themodern.org. Hello, uh, welcome to Glass Tire. I am Christina Reese from Glass Tire, and we are here today at the Modern Art Museum of Fort Worth, and I am here talking to Allison Hurst. Tell us who you are. I am the associate curator here at the Modern. And how long have you been here? I've been here for 12 years now. Wow, 12 years! Mm -hmm. Just a little background. I've known Allison for probably since about 2009 is my guess. Um, I had a job here in Fort Worth for a little while uh, over at TCU, and that's when we met. Did you go to TCU? I did. I went to TCU for my graduate work. Right, right, right. So we're here to talk today about a couple of things. One is uh, an exhibition that's opening this coming Friday. Um, it's uh, Martin Gutierrez. It's a part of the Focus series, and we'll get to that in a second. But Martin Gutierrez's show opens on Friday and runs through January 12th. Tell us about this show. So Martine Gutierrez is an emerging artist. It's based in New York. She, about four years ago, started this incredibly ambitious project, which was to make a magazine. Um, the magazine is called Indigenous Woman. It follows the format of Andy Warhol's interview magazine. Uh, we have a few copies in the bookshop, and you can find images online as well. Um, Martine is a trans Latinx artist and was particularly frustrated that there weren't people like her in the beauty magazines that she was looking at as a viewer. She's also said, you know, the only kind of um, trans celebrity at the time of her growing up was Caitlyn Jenner right. and she didn't feel connected to, to them at all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being motivated by this and, and wanting to take control of her narrative. She created this magazine and spent three to four years on it. It's 146 pages. What's so amazing about it is Martine's the publisher. She's the CEO. <laughs> she's the model. She's the editor. She is um, the stylist, the makeup artist. She has done everything in this magazine. It's incredibly ambitious. Each page is these amazing photographs that have really, you know, crazy costumes and makeup and just everything expressing her transformation as a person and kind of exploring the gray area between race and gender and sexuality. It's very slick. I just saw the show. It's still installing, but it's uh, it's nearly done and I mean the photographs are beautiful and they're every bit as editorial and sleek and well-produced as anything you would see in a Vogue or a Bazaar or a W magazine. She split this up, as far as I can tell from reading about it, she split the the work up into series but within the magazine i suppose kind of almost like layouts of different like you know, different spreads on different subjects is that kind of how it works within the magazine absolutely it's formatted like an interview magazine there's different campaigns there's an interview um within it that's between her and herself mm -hmm. um but the the 
all of these different campaigns have different titles. There's one called Queer Rage. There's one called Body and Thrall. Those are considered two series, two very separate series of work, and those are actually the series that are in the show here at the Modern. Mm -hmm. So, how did you find her? I saw the magazine first, and I I just thought it was incredible. It's just it's an incredible object. It's so detailed. When I found out that she was responsible for everything and that she put this out, I just had to know more. I saw her exhibition at Ryan Lee Gallery, They're the gallery that represents her in New York, and I was able to see how that work kind of translated in an exhibition space and was really interested in that too. Um, so I've been watching her for a little while. Um, she was also in the Venice Biennale this year, so it was really great. We had already decided to do the show before that was announced, so it was really great to see um, the Body and Thrall series, which we have in the galleries in Venice. Oh, cool, cool, cool. So how far out do you, so let's, let's talk about the Focus series. Sure. You're in charge of the Focus series. The Focus series is an ongoing series that highlights, it's kind of almost like a capsule, set of capsule shows. They're tight, they're clean, they're interesting, and they're often either emerging artists or artists who've n not had a solo show here before or a solo show in Dallas-Fort Worth before. Am I describing this correctly? Yes, absolutely. I would say when the Focus program started in 2005, it was organized by our senior curator, Andrea Carnes, and I would say um, when it first started out, it was really more focused on emerging, but since then we've kind of shifted it to open it up a little bit. I try to include emerging, I also try to include mid-career artists that, you know, are really well known on an international stage. Artists like Thomas DeMond and Lorna Simpson have done mm -hmm. focus shows here, um, which obviously they are not emerging artists, but they are two artists that just haven't really been seen in this area, which is kind of crazy to me. So I'm always looking at that too. So when you, how far out do you program? How, how long ago did you realize that you were gonna do a show with Martine? I am always looking. I have this kind of ongoing list that I always build on, but I feel like Martine, I didn't visit Martine until March. The focus shows have a quicker turnaround mm -hmm. than our larger shows, which is really great because I probably lock it in the summer before and the first focus show always opens in November. So they're pretty tight, um, but I think it's great because it feels fresh that way. I feel like things that I'm still really interested in in the you know, spring and summer, I'm still really interested in, mm -hmm. um, you know, in November when the show opens. It's kind of allows us to keep a quicker pace, almost like a gallery pace, um, yeah. which museums don't really get to do much, but it really allows me to kind of pivot quickly, which I think is nice. Let me ask you something, and this may or may not stay in the podcast, but what? how much has the Focus series, when Suzanne Weaver or the DMA were doing concentrations, and they still do concentrations, how, how much of that was an inspiration for Focus, or was it? I think it was an inspiration. I'm not super clear on the origins. I know that when we moved into this building, they wanted to have kind of an emerging program to complement our larger exhibitions. And so that's kind of when it was conceived. The Director's Council started in 85 and there was always an acquisition tied 
Well, I want to talk about okay. that. Like, how does the fo how does the focus series work with acquisitions for this museum? So the focus series is tied to a group called the Directors Council. The Directors Council began in 1985, and when it began in our old building, Marla, our director, Michael Opping, our former chief curator, and Andrea Carnes they would all kind of go and, and select a few works that were available for acquisition and this group would vote on that. There wasn't an exhibition, it was just purely an acquisition mm. group. Um, when we moved into the new building and we decided to have that exhibition programming, we tied it with the director's council. And so kind of tying in that acquisitions group with an exhibition programming is, is kind of how it started. But the way it works is there's three focus exhibitions every season, it's usually November through May or April, and each artist has a work that's available for acquisition. Um, the control we have is the exhibitions that we bring here mm -hmm. and the acquisition choices, but beyond that, it's a group of members that votes on it, uh -huh. um, which is always really exciting. Um, and we usually have that meeting in May, so we just had our last meeting in May, and we voted on uh, Njedeka Akunyuli Crosby's Dwell Me We as the acquisition, which we're all very excited about. But so it's it's one it's one work from all three shows. Absolutely. Okay, one work from one. So what are some other acquisitions that you've had in the last say since you've taken over that are exciting? Under my watch, we acquired a Lorna Simpson painting, which was great. Another thing too, I should mention is the way the acquisitions work here, and kind of the way the exhibitions, the focus series works here is that we only work with artists that are not in our collection. Mm. So there's a lot of things that I'm thinking about when I'm planning these shows. Um, who isn't represented in our collection? Who, where are the holes in our acquisitions? Mm -hmm. And also where are the holes in the exhibition programming in the area in Texas and beyond? Um, so these are all things I'm thinking about when I'm planning these shows. So Lorna Simpson was one. Uh, the Thomas DeMond Photograph Backyard is another acquisition. Uh, recent acquisition. Uh, the year before last, we acquired a triptych by Camus Aram, mm -hmm. um, which is also really exciting. And actually, most of those works are in the galleries right now. So I feel like these are, you know, these acquisitions, they get a lot of play in our galleries, which is great. It's a, a great way to collect contemporary art for us. It's so funny, it's almost like, forgive me, but it's almost like you get to get very excited about an artist and then the artist's work ends up in the collection here. It's almost a kind of like, it's a personal Christmas morning for it you. Is. It <laughs> is, it <laughs> is, it is. And it's also, I mean, there's a sad side to it too. You get bonded with all of the artists and you know, there's one winner. There's and one winner. that's always, you know, it's kind of bittersweet that way. How are the meetings? Are they heated? Are there debates? There are, are debates. Is there lobbying? There are, yes, for sure, for <laughs> sure. And it's always funny. I. You know, I, I don't stack the decks, I just present the information and kind of step away and then I see the inner workings of the group. There's about 150 people in the group. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is great because sometimes, um, you know, it really, it's a big enough group that, you know, sometimes you'll see it sway a, a certain way, but I mean, really, it can go anyway. You just never know. Is it, and, and is that the, the meeting that most of the, peop the people really show up for? Yeah. The acquisition yeah. meeting. How does it, do, is it like a, a, a vote, a, like a write-in or yeah. a? Yeah, 
Yeah, we have a paper ballot. It's pretty old school. Mm -hmm. um, this is very inside <laughs> baseball. I, forgive us, <laughs> listeners, but I am very interested in this process. Some of you will be too. Yeah, this is very transparent. Um, <laughs> but everybody does show up to that. If, if they can't come, I mean, they'll do absentee ballot sure, as well. Sure. Of course, as the curator, I want them to show up to the openings mm -hmm. and I want them to come see the exhibitions, but I can't always force everybody to do that. But, but it's a great way to get them feeling involved and invested in the and to actually have a, a say in what happens at this museum. Absolutely, and I feel it's really it's really lovely to see. There's people that have been on the director's council since the very beginning, mm. since the 80s before we even had an exhibition program, and the sense of pride that they have when they walk through the galleries and see works that they had a part in is just, it's great for me, it's great for them mm. too. And it's, you know, the artists, Martine is here this week. She's going to be giving, a, you know, a little bit of a talk in the galleries and mm -hmm. introduce the show. So it's a, you know, an educational tool, but it also really kind of gives a nice context to the group. But really part of my job is, is that, but also like, I do these shows for the public mm -hmm. too. So. so what do you have coming up? What are the next couple of shows for the season? So in January, we have an artist named Harar Sarkissian. He is a Syrian-born artist that's based in London. He works in video and photography, and it's all about displacement and leaving his home. The work in the show, there's three distinct bodies of work that are going to be in this focus show. We're really excited about that. And we actually have a guest curator coming in for that, that uh, Omar Khalif, who is the director of the Sharjah Art Foundation. He's very close with Harar, and they decided to do this project here. It's gonna be Harar's first exhibition in Texas and his first time to be in the United States. How old is he? He is in his late 30s. Yeah, yeah, I, know, I always ask, how old are these artists? Um, how often do you have a guest curator help you with the focus stuff? Rarely. Yeah. This just kind of worked out this way. Um, but we it's really it's really my program. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So what's after that one? After that is Marina Adams. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her work, but she is based in New York as well. And she um, she's a painter. She's an abstract painter. She's in her 50s, I would say. And she is really kind of breaking out in interesting ways right now. She just had her second big solo exhibition in New York at her gallery, and she's uh, got a few shows in Europe this fall. So she's really kind of having a moment. So you're traveling around a lot. I mean, it's really part of your job to get out there and see what's what. Um, are you pulling as much from LA, New York, Europe? I mean, do you feel like there's a, is there a particular trip that's generally very productive for you in terms of getting some people on your wish list? I, I, I'm pretty type A, so I feel like wherever I go, I hit the ground running and try to do as much as I can. Um, so I feel like going, going to LA or New York or Europe, I just really pack it in and just make it pretty exhausting and then when you get really enthusiastic about somebody somebody's work do you come back here and you're talking to Marla you're talking to the staff and you're like I want to show this do you get any pushback do you have to justify it what does that look like 
I mean, I do, you know, I do usually come and I usually present all three at once. Um, I've had pushback before. It is, you know, a group process, the decision process, um, as is the acquisition too. Mm -hmm. You know, I usually try to bring a couple options for each show. Um, but generally, I feel like, you know, we do have a lot of freedom with it. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, that's nice. fun. It's, it's really this infusion nice. of, of energy and uh, that kind of thing that just, it's nice to have, this museum already, because it's a modern art museum and generally also a contemporary art museum, it feels fresh most of the time, but the focus shows really have a, a nice edge of freshness to them. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really nice program. And I would imagine that other museums have looked at this model and possibly been inspired by it? Is that, do you know of anyone that's practicing this kind of acquisition committee sort of model? It seems like I've heard of that kind of thing mm -hmm. increasingly, especially over like the last five or six years. I know Chicago has a, a really great contemporary acquisition program and it usually is connected to an exhibition, but I don't think it's as structured mm -hmm. as, as ours. And I know that, you know, the Hammer Projects, I, I know that that, I think the Hammer Projects have been around longer than the Focus shows, but I feel like they're very similar mm -hmm. in function. And I know a lot of those works um, turn into acquisitions, Those, but I don't know if the process is similar right. as ours or not. Do you know what you want to have uh, happening for Focus next year? I have a few ideas. Can you talk about them or is that does that need to stay on the down low for the moment? I don't have them totally figured out yeah. yet. I have some ideas. I haven't spoken with my team about it yet. But um, I like to always kind of keep it fluid. I have a couple that I feel pretty set on and that I've, I've already visited. But I feel like I'm always doing studio visits up until the last minute. Mm -hmm. and, and kind of back on that it, traveling too. I do travel a lot, but I also just am constantly looking everywhere. I mean, Art Forum, um, New York Times, Instagram, I'm just sure. looking. And it's interesting because it's usually, I usually lock one artist in first and that kind of guides me in a way. Right, because you don't want to have three abstract painting shows in a row no. or three sculpture shows in a row. You need to mix it up. Definitely, right? definitely. And I, I like to really kind of have diversity in the program. Um, I like yeah, this year we have a photographer, we have a filmmaker, we have a painter. Mm -hmm. um, I like to have that. I like to try to keep it fresh in that way too, whether people are noticing that or not. That's important to me. Right, right, right. Um, and the focus show isn't always in the same spot in the museum, right? It moves around a bit? It moves around a little bit. It's usually in the same spot downstairs. It's Gallery 6, mm -hmm. um, the three bays. But uh, when it does move, if we do have a, a special exhibition downstairs, like we had the Disappearing California was downstairs mm -hmm. recently. Mm -hmm. Analia Saban uh, was the focus show concurrently, and we moved her upstairs. It's the exact same gallery. It's the exact same footprint. It mm -hmm. just doesn't have those interior walls which a lot of artists really prefer that. It kind of um, opens it up in ways that are interesting, but yeah. I think the space for the focus shows is really good, actually. It makes a lot of sense. It's like, a, again, it's sort of like a, it's almost like an expanded capsule show. It's bigger than just a one room sort mm -hmm. of thing, but it's not an overwhelming experience. It feels like you kind of get a nice, good, solid taste of an artist's work in a space that's just exactly the right size. I agree, it's yeah. kind of a sweet spot. It's a sweet spot for emerging artists because 
you know, I feel like it, it kind of, a lot of the artists that I'm working with that are on the emerging side, this is their first museum exhibition. Mm -hmm. This is Martine's first major museum exhibition. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a space that, yeah, you get to see a lot of work, but it also doesn't feel scary, mm -hmm. which I think is really important. It's nice for them, uh, the it's artists, very nice. right? They're like, oh, okay, I can just about handle yeah. this, yeah. And a lot of artists want to create all new work for the space. They get mm. really excited. Camus Zaram, he created a whole new show for that. And, you know, he had a little bit more time than maybe Martine did and, you know, but it still was a pretty quick turnaround, but that also feels like a sweet spot too. But also for these artists that are um, more mid-career, like Thomas DeMond, he, his show was upstairs in that completely open space, but it was great because it felt like a project space to him. Mm -hmm. And he handled it with creating this amazing wallpaper mural. I don't know if you saw it, this Trump Loy folded paper mural. So he was really viewing that as a project. Mm -hmm. And Lorna Simpson viewed it as a project right. too. She was stepping out with her paintings for the first time right. in a museum show. And it, it was a sweet spot. She could you know, kind of experiment and... Yeah, so mid-career and more veteran artists can use it to mm -hmm. highlight a specific body of work mm -hmm. that maybe hasn't had a museum showing yet. So what, so besides focus, what what is your role here? Well, I, I feel like my role is always evolving. I um, I help out a lot in, in other exhibitions now too. I feel like I've, I've had an increasing role there. I just did the Robin O'Neill We the Masses exhibition, which is my first full floor. And congratulations. What a Thank great show. You. What a great artist. Yeah. What a nice thing to have her have that show yeah. here. I'm very enthusiastic about it, obviously. <laughs> it's a nice thing for us, too. Yeah. It really, it truly is. I feel honored that we're able to present that here. And she's, of course, is a dream to work with. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been getting a lot of really good feedback, so that's been exciting. Okay, so that was your show. You know, that you was my show. Nice work. Thank you. Nice work. Well, we are all looking forward to, first of all, this show. I've seen it. Readers, go see it. Martine Gutierrez, it's a really, really nice show. It's a surprising show. Uh, I haven't seen anything really quite like it, I've got to say. And I like how it evokes some things about Warhol's interview. In that era, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I've been rewatching uh, Warhol's Andy Warhol's 15 Minutes, mm. the show. Sometimes you can find it on YouTube, and it was so ahead of its time. It was mid 80s, and it was on MTV, and I don't know how many episodes there were. I used to watch it when it was on at the time when I was a teenager, but um, I it brought back some of that for me. Mm -hmm. So the spirit of that is in this show, mm -hmm. which was really a nice <coughs> callback, but. Um, Congratulations on that. Thank Everyone you. needs to see the show. If you are in Dallas-Fort Worth, stop by The Modern. Also, Robin O'Neill is up as well. So you're all over this museum right now. This is Allison Hurst's show <laughs> right this second. So, But thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to the sponsor of this podcast, the Modern Art Museum of Fort Worth. If you enjoyed this conversation, there's still time to see the museum's two current exhibitions, as well as a number of other pieces acquired from various focus exhibitions talked about in this podcast. For more details on all that's happening at the museum, visit themodern.org. That's T-H-E-M-O-D-E-R-N.org.